Welcome to the True Face Podcast, where we have conversations about what we can learn from what's going on in our lives. My name is Robbie Engel, and I will be your guide as we learn how to increase trust and experience grace. Well, everybody, we made it into 2021, and I hope for you it is better so far than 2020. Uh, I've been thinking about that, who I want to be in five years from the Binge podcast and reverse engineering that to try to live into it. And so far, uh, it's living better than uh, 2020, Robbie. And I hope you guys are the same. Uh, I'm excited to kick uh, this thing off with Greg Ligon. Greg Ligon from the Ligon Consulting Group. Uh, But before that, you were uh, at Leadership Network for 22 years. You wrapped it up as the chief operating officer there, and you've been doing uh, consulting uh, alongside your wife with the Ligon Group Consulting for Ministry Leaders, and that's how we met. Uh, Greg, it is so fun to have you on this podcast because uh, you helped me survive 2020 and consult with me in my transition. And so I said, hey, man, I got to get this guy's wisdom and insight onto the podcast. And you graciously accepted. So, Greg, welcome to the True Face podcast, man. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks, Robbie. I appreciate the opportunity to be with you. It's been fun to get to know you. I've known your ministry uh, there uh, for a long time, and it's fun to be able to see you as you transition, have now transitioned, I guess I should say past tense. You're fully seated um, and running the ministry, and it's, it's been fun to see the new energy and the new things you're bringing to the ministry there. Thanks, man. You helped me uh make it through the transition. We had a series of consulting calls and and you're uh you are an incredible blessing to me and and always a tricky time of going what god do you have in store for this ministry for the next generation this next next expression of it. Um and your your niche you are a leadership network for forever but your niche was really in multi-site. So we know we knew similar friends and you worked with my boys from North Point, but we never met. And then I came to North Point and we got to know each other. I mean, I came to True Face and we got to know each other. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. How? So you worked with, you've been working with multi-site churches uh, for years. Get, give us a little context for that. And then tell us how you got involved with True Face and how you've been tracking with the ministry. Yeah. So um, as you mentioned, I was at Leadership Network for 22 years. Uh, A lot of that time was working with multi-site churches. Um, I really had the privilege of having a front row seat at kind of seeing that movement get birthed and then grow. And uh, we held our first meeting gathering of churches that they really didn't call themselves multi-site church yet. They were just churches that were using video or at that time, satellite. Yep. The first gathering we had on 9-11, actually. Wow. And we had planned to have 120 churches in the room, and about 65 uh, were there that had already arrived in Chicago where we were having the meeting. And that's really where those conversations began and the networks began to develop. And um, we, a couple of years later, convened our first group of uh, 12 churches that many of whom knew of each other, but did not know each other. And now you would recognize them as the pioneers of the movement. Uh, Life Church and Seacoast and North Coast and North Point were all in that room. And so I've just really had the privilege of seeing how God has used that strategy uh, to reach more and more people for Jesus. That's awesome. Now, how'd you come across True Face? How long have you known about the True Face guys? 
Yeah, so um, I knew Trueface before it was Trueface. So Bruce, um, we actually, one of the very first books that he uh, published was a Leadership Network publication, um, Ascent of a Leader. Come on. And uh, so that was one of the first books that Leadership Network published in their partnership with Jesse Bass. And so I had some interaction with him at that point in time. And then uh, we have we share a mutual friend and Steve Moore at the Murdoch Charitable Trust. And so um, that's that was another kind of connection point back with the ministry there. That's awesome. Well, um, it's been fun to now be included in that and get to know each other and, and process transition and leadership and the complexities of it as, as you've uh, been around and seen some leaders like me in these spots and uh, your insight was incredibly helpful. Um, and if it, any any ministry leader out there, uh, Robbie gives two thumbs up to Greg. Uh, I don't know your wife. Word on the street is she's sharper than you, but... Uh, <laughs> Most definitely. Yeah. That's the case with all of us, right? <laughs> I know it is for me. Uh, but so so... As you know, we have friends and part of the tribe on here to share a story from your life or what God's teaching you or what's going on in your life. And this is fun to have you on here. But Greg, what would you like to process today and share with the True Face team? Sure, you bet. So, uh, you know, I think that one of the things that I've really been kind of walking through this uh, last year, particularly the last nine months or so, 10 months, has just been... um, what it means to lead in uncertainty. Mm. So, you know, rewind to March of last year. And uh, on March the 10th um, and through the 12th, I was in Atlanta, Georgia, with a group of uh, young senior pastors of rapidly growing churches. And we were at dinner on Tuesday night. We'd only been together for a few hours. We were at dinner and one of the guys looked at his uh, phone and said, oh my gosh, and I knew he'd gotten some kind of bad news or at least some surprising news. I said, what's up? And he said, well, they just canceled the crowds at March Madness, which, you know, for those of us who are basketball fans, it's like the beginning of the end right there, right? So, but little did we know, by the time we gathered the next morning, you know, this thing would have, would be identified as a pandemic and churches were going to have to figure out how to, their buildings were going to be closed. And so from the 10th into the 15th, you know, these guys were trying to figure out how to stand up online campuses and what that was going to look like. And so there, and then of course, that was just the beginning of it. And there's been so much in terms of uncertainty, same season, three weeks later, you know, I had my last day at Leadership Network. And so I had been there for 22 years that have been a significant part of my ministry and my life. And uh, in fact, we were just uh, just before the first of the year, we had a gathering of some of the alumni. There was about 40 of us that were on the call on a Zoom call and Zoom meeting. But it was so rich to be able to hear um, how that organization and the interaction we have with leaders and with one another had really shaped um, our lives. And uh, so that was kind of a nice touch point in the midst of the challenging uh, season that we're in as well. But so as I began to kind of walk through and figure out what that looked like, I said, okay, how do you do this? You know, and you mentioned that kind of our interface, uh, that's kind of how some of the coaching came about. I had the privilege of being asked by Murdoch Charitable Trust and Steve Moore to be a part of the coaching team. And they'd put together a resource of funds where they were providing coaching for some of their grantees. And so I had the opportunity to 
kind of walk alongside folks as they were trying to figure this out. And um, it was just, it's been interesting for me personally, but also for me as I've interacted with organizations to try to figure out what are the ways you do this? What are some principles of how you do that well? And so those are some of the kinds of things I've been kind of trying to pound out and, and learn about and implement and help others uh, figure out how they apply in their situations as well. Love to share a few of those if that's helpful. Yeah, I I think this, like, I feel like 2020 was, we all got thrown into the deep end of uncertainty and chaos. And I feel like it was kind of survival for a lot of people. Um, we, you know, we had our uh, different focuses of angst and tension and anxiety that exploded. You know, it was political, it was the racial stuff, which... Um, I'm thankful the political stuff decreased and I'm sad that the relation, the racial stuff doesn't continue to be as forefront of mind as it was at the time. But, you know, I think that the gist of it is the, the entire country, the entire world had so much uncertainty. So, but we don't know how to deal with it as a country, as a culture, as an organization. And so we just went into survival mode and then it, we had these flares of the racial reconciliation stuff and the, the healing and the injustices and then the political stuff. And now it all kind of, we got through that and we're coming into 2001, 2021, and we've got the, um, the, the vaccine coming. But I think there's going to be a wave of uncertainty that is going to surprise people because the world has changed and we haven't dealt with the issues. We just kicked the can and survived. After survival comes a, uh, uh, a lull or a, a wave of the consequences of survival for a year and anxiety and pent up micro traumas that the world settled. So I think this conversation going into the year is going to be more timely, uh, you didn't ask my opinion. Thanks for listening, Greg. Uh, I think this conversation is going to be more timely in 2021 than 2020, even though we think we just got through it and survived 2020. I think we have totally all agree. kinds of stuff. You do? Totally agree. And I think some, just some of the things you referenced just in terms of the racial issues and the political issues. And, you know, one of the things that I've observed is part of the reason that there wasn't a lot of resolution on those things during the you know the last 10 months or during the last decades right yep. is because there's a, not much listening that happens there's a whole lot yeah. of speaking that happens and a whole lot of models that are pushed forward and everybody has their own perspective in it you know it, it their perspective is the perspective right and so that's one of the things i think first off that you have to do to be effective as a leader in these times is you have to learn to listen quick to listen slow to diagnose slow to advise you know, it's a, you know, there, there are models that will emerge, but we have to allow them to emerge. And that only happens by listening. To take it in a different context, when I'm working with multi-site churches, you know, if I had uh, a, a nickel for every time any, ever, anyone had asked me, what's the best multi-site model? Yeah. You know, I could be a rich man. But the reality is, is, and what I always say is, if you've seen one multi-site model, you've seen just that one multi-site model, yeah. right? So you have to understand the context. You have to understand the unique uh, players um, in whatever the situation is. And so that requires you to listen hmm. first and to listen frequently and to listen long, to listen well. So I think that's really an important thing. And so for me personally too, that means I need to listen. Yeah. <laughs> I need to listen to my family. I need to, I need to spend time in my time with the Lord, just listening. 
Have, um, and, you've been working with leaders for a few decades. How have you seen that change uh, over the past couple of decades in regards to leaders' ability and posture of listening? Well, I think that, you know, we live in a, in a culture that really, as I just said a moment ago, does not, it's not a value, right? Um, it's more about being heard than it is about um, hearing. Um, and so and, I think and that, that's been you know, a shift that you've watched. You feel like that's a cultural oh, yeah. shift. Yeah, most definitely. And I think that I mean, it's, um, you know, there's not even an opportunity to have civil discourse on anything. I can remember, and I've told Steve Moore this, who I've mentioned earlier, um, years ago, I won't tell you how many, but I, I took a course under Steve when I was still in college, a Christian ethics course. And, um, we talked about, even then, there was an article that he had us read um, that said the end of civil discourse. Well, that was like 30 plus years ago. Um, but it was, this article was already beginning to see that. And it's just, and it's just reality. We're living it now. We're not, in the end, we're not in anticipating. We're having to live it um, and experience that. I think it's hard in, a, in the era of a large church uh, movement and what's really been a part has been a part of the last couple of decades. You know, any leader, you know, whenever you move up a up the ladder, if you use it in corporate language, or you have more and more responsibility, I think there can be this tendency mm-hmm. to become more and more isolated as well, yeah. uh, which also leads to not as much listening yeah. um, as yeah. as is necessary to really be able to lead effectively. So you're thinking 21 is going to be a year of ongoing uncertainty. And, and the world has changed. What have you been thinking and working on in regards to um, how, how we can be more equipped to navigate these this season with greater wisdom? Yeah, so um, you know, there's a couple of things. One I would say is um, as you're leading your organization um, and as you're leading your people, um, you know, beyond that listening piece is remember there's a person behind the leader. Um, I mean, that's right at the heart of the true face message, right, is there's an authenticity that we have to have. And so I think that's an important piece as you're leading your organization from a people side of things. I think another thing that we're that we have to um, embrace is uh, an understanding of where we are and embrace that and look for ways to move forward from that. Um, there was a McKinsey consulting article that came out just before the first of the year, um, and it was based on some research that was done by a doctor who uh, was doing research with patients with chronic illnesses. Um, and so what they identified in that research was that there were basically three kinds of ways that people responded to chronic illness. Some um, could not, all they wanted to do was get back to life the way it was before they'd been diagnosed, right? And so there, it was all about restitution. It was all about how do I get back? How do I recover the things that were a part of this before I knew I had this illness? Uh, There were some that had more of what he called the chaos response. Um, They couldn't remember, they were in such a place, they couldn't remember what life was like before, they, were, they had the illness, and because they were so entrenched in what was going on, they couldn't even think about what life might look like on the other side of it. Um, so they were kind of stuck in that spot. And then there was a third group of people that uh, accepted the reality of where they were, and they engaged it, and they engaged in a journey. And so they, he describes this as kind of the quest 
perspective. And so they uh, they jumped in, right, and moved forward. Okay, this is my this is where we're at today. This is what I need to do tomorrow. Um, and so, and not surprisingly, that was the group of patients that weathered the illness the best. And so, I think as leaders of organizations and as individuals, we have to help our people. We have to help ourselves. Sometimes we have to coach ourselves, right, to say, okay, these are some of the new realities. So how can I begin to start with this as my new starting place um, and begin to build from here? It doesn't mean that, you know, like in the context of the church, you know, one of the things, the big things there, of course, is online. Will we ever be able to be back fully in buildings? Of course, we're going to be able to be back in buildings, and we will at some point in time. But it's not going to happen as quickly as people want it to happen. Um, and so we can either focus on spending our resources and, you know, ministering to the percentage of people that are, that are already coming back into our buildings. You know, it, we're still looking at even the best case scenarios, 60%. Um, or we can really take it, okay, what are the new opportunities that we have to be able to minister people in a digital space and an online space? And how do we do that with authenticity, right? That's some of the things you guys are figuring out at True Face as well. Mm. It- it's interesting that um, I'm processing internally now. If I really understand where I'm at and I accept the reality and use that as a starting place, that takes away the ability to blame or make excuses, which is comforting to me. Um, the first thing that came to my head is I've got our twins right now. Our, our youngest twins are almost two, Emmy and Eli, and they're terrible. I mean, they're mean. I mean, they like... All, all they wake up just thinking, what can I destroy? What can I climb and spill and break? And and like there, there's almost a, a excuse I have of like, I'm just gonna survive till they're three and can talk, you know, because they're just crazy people and and messing up our our peace. Um, and I'm like, wait a minute, I've got two year old twins on top of six other ones. I need to understand where I'm at and accept that and live into it. Not wait for this next chapter and not be present because they are really cute and chubby. And so like, I I don't want to survive or just make it as a survive, you know, with that survival mentality, that's hard to do. Yeah. Um, And that's good. I mean, I think you, I think you're exactly right. That's so important. And that's one of the, as a dad, you have to have the, you have to develop this muscle of flexibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think leaders really have to develop that muscle as well. And, yeah. you know, we're in a place where, I mean, we've just come through a year where, you know, you know, throw the uh, annual plans out the door. Yep. Much less a quarterly. Plan. I mean, oftentimes I talk to leaders all the time, <clears throat> leaders in churches, and they're like, you know, make it a plan, and maybe 24 hours later, something happens, and they can't do that any longer. Yeah. So that ability to flex, that ability to think in terms of scenarios, you know, what, you know, what are the three options that we might think about, and begin to think of those kinds of things in advance, so you're not caught flat-footed, flat-footed whenever different um, opportunities or challenges uh, surface for surface for you. So um, I think that's an important skill and kind of an important posture we have to take as leaders as we uh, move into uh, into this new year. I love that. What else you got? I know you enough to know you probably got a list of these things. Keep going at it. I'm going to keep going <laughs> as much as I can. I'm not paying for this one. <laughs> well, I think uh, another thing that's really, really important in the midst of all the chaos <clears throat> is to, you know, if I'm working with an organization 
it's you know what's you want to be you want to make sure you stay mission centric huh tell me so more. a lot of the you know the programming or the ways that things get executed have been ha- have to change but this is a time to make sure you're incredibly crystal clear on the picture of the future that god's given you and the mission the work that god's given you to move forward with that that just isn't just organizationally that's with families too right so in the midst of your raising eight kids you know you there'll be times where you're thinking how in the world am i going to get through this but at the end of the day you have to go back to that foundation okay god's given me these eight kids where this is my responsibility as a dad these are the things i have to stay committed to um, in the midst of all the things that are going to change, what are those foundational things? I think it's really, really, really important. How do, how um, do you do that? How, how do you do that with the whirlwind and all the, the curveballs that are coming to stay focused on what matters most and the why? Yeah, so um, I think there's a couple of things. One is uh, to do the hard work of answering the questions for yourself or for your organization, what that looks like. Um, and then once you've, you've done that hard work, you know, codifying that, then you have, then you have something that you have to create a discipline mm-hmm. around, re, you know, going back and reminding yourself and using that in your process. So just to take an example and in, in working with organizations um, in publishing, my wife and I do this a lot, we'll work with authors or with brands and we'll guide them through a process where we help them develop what we call a strategic directive or a, we sometimes call it the brand DNA or our best, our favorite name is just a one pager. Yep. Because what, at the end of the day, what we help them to do is get their vision, their mission, their values, kind of the things they have to do to be successful, crystal clear, boiled down to be being able to put on one page. Yep. And then literally, we will work with them to say, okay, initially, and in many cases, organizations that we've done this, that have developed one, you know, still use it 10 years later. But that piece of paper is at the, on the table every time a decision's made. Gotcha. Every time a conversation is had in their, in their meetings. So you uh, got my family has, has one of these statements. And yeah, so it does. Particu- particularly in, you know, as we've gone through transitions and parenting, so having kids that are in, in, in school and then now moving to kids that are in college. And now we're just, we had our youngest just graduated uh, just uh, in December. And so now we're kind of moving into this stage of now we don't even have to pay. We're not paying tuition, which is a wonderful stage. But anyway, what I'm saying is that all those seasons of those stages um, we're kind of revisiting that and saying, okay, is this really yep. still what God's calling us to be focused on? So you're um, saying you're saying you gotta you gotta do the legwork to really solidify the why, the one pager, and then you've gotta keep that top of mind and in front of you yeah. as you're planning your quarter or planning a big decision and and yeah. just building the muscle of going back and going, is this mission centric? Because right. in in complexity and uncertainty you're saying the good leaders in this season of uncertainty are going to go back to that bearing to focus that, on that. What's the rock? And uh, the other thing that happens when you do that is um, if you do the hard work on the front end, it actually creates an, ama- an amazing amount of efficiency hmm. in the use of it because it, there's a whole lot of decisions you make in the process of getting there that you only have to make once. Hmm. And so, you know, an opportunity, you know, comes in the, in the inbox or a phone call or whatever. Yep. And in many cases, you've already made a decision about whether that's not, whether or not that's going to work. I, I um, would, so you're not having to rethink. You're like, well, no, that's not going to work because it, it, 
you know, I'm not able to do that and still maintain one of the values that we have. Or I'm not able to do that because it's really not core to what I'm supposed to be doing in terms of my mission and the work that God's called me to. And so it makes it easier to say no to some things. Yep. It helps you to evaluate the good opportunities, but it really creates some efficiency uh, for you as well. Man, I I think of uh I, I had a call with Pat McMillan a couple months ago. He wrote mm-hmm. the book on teamwork that I read at DTS, and I mean he's just one of these original like just incredible leaders. And and I I asked him about something uh, to to partner to do something. He said, "No, I can't do that." And with so much confidence and humility, he was like. I mean, I could, but I'd have to give up something that God's called me to focus on, which is more more important for me right now. Um, and it was amazing. It was like this incredible example to me of just focus and confidence and clarity on what God had called him to do. I, that yeah. just came to mind on the mission-centric yeah. piece. Yeah, I think maybe the last thing I'd say is that I think it's really important in this season, and it always is, but it becomes even more important, is the communication piece. And, um, you know, communication, 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 just like in real estate. Location, location, location. I think in leadership, that communication has to be so central. It needs to be clear. Um, it needs to anticipate what people are asking um, are thinking and concerned about. Um, I think in a, in a time of uncertainty, um, it needs to be even more frequent. You know, we've in a world of information, sometimes we get, um, we're always evaluating this, what's too much, right? What's too many emails coming in somebody's inbox or whatever. Yeah. But I think in, in challenging times, the frequency can kind of be upped uh, a bit. And I think the other thing that we, that I learned um, personally during COVID was um, the importance of the personal nature of the communication. Hmm. Again, going back to an article I read, this has been now back in May of uh, 2020. I think I first read this article and it was another McKinsey article. I learned a lot from McKinsey consulting uh, during the last year. There's a couple smart people over there. There, There's a couple smart ones. Exactly. They were talking about um, some research they'd done on communication and um, the statistics they reported were that 55% of effective communication is the result of the visual component. Huh. 38% is a result of the tone, and only 7% are the actual words, which really? for communicators and preachers and speakers, you know, that's a little bit disconcerting until you get behind it and realize, okay, this is really just bringing life to the words that God's given me or that I'm supposed to be communicating. But one of the ways I saw that very practically employed um, during uh, the early COVID days was I had lost my dad in November of 2019. And so in the midst of all that craziness um, in the early COVID days, I was in the process of helping my mom. We were still getting through all the will stuff and I was helping her with managing her her finances. And my dad had a lot of their money in three different organizations. And so we started getting these communications from them. And um, in some ways, all three organizations were sending basically the same information, but one of the organizations early on, literally every day sent an email. Um, And it was, it wasn't a fancy thing, but it had a video embedded in it. And the thing that was that was so powerful about it is basically in that context, they were saying, hey, this is what happened today. This is why we think it happened. This is what we think is going to happen tomorrow. And we don't want you to worry. You know, wow. we're, we're taking care of you. 
Well, that simple visual video that came from somebody my mom had actually met Hmm. made all the difference for her. Hmm. And she had so much less stress and anxiety about that relationship than she did some of the others. So that visual component, that kind of personal connection in a, uh, even though it was digital, <laughs> but in a, in a world um, that is um, that is more and more digital, anyways, we can make that personal connection is really, really important. Yep. A, a lot of our TrueFace team is remote uh, and we're kind of a virtual team uh, because we're located across the country working together. And, and then COVID, so it did, COVID didn't affect us as much, but now the new norm is a lot of us are trying to figure out team cultures and dynamics for this zoom thing. And I've scraped my knees trying to figure out how in the world uh, do we do a better job in this communication thing? Cause it's so different than <laughs> decades of patterns and best practices for team for teams and, and cultures. I, it feels like it's not going back like that. So many of us are going to have to figure this out. Um, what, what's your coaching for me going into 2021 knowing it's a continuation of the norm for a lot of people that we're going to have a virtual team. How do we over communicate and how does communication change? Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of interesting. I've heard all kinds of stories, you know, as people have been kind of experimenting, inventing what that's going to look like. Um, it kind of depends on what your culture was before. Right. So yeah. I was on a call with an um, actually Patrick Lencioni's team and they were doing a kind of a coaching call for some of us that are in that space. And they were talking about what a, um, they were, there's only, uh, I think he, there's maybe six of them that were kind of in his core staff. They were all in the same office and they had a very open kind of office environment. So it was very much of their pattern and the way yep. they did their work would be to, you know, walk out, get up and walk over to somebody's desk, have a conversation with them. And that's how a lot of their interaction happened. And so I don't know if they're still doing this or not, but one of the things that they did early on was they started designating at two or three hours a day. They were just all on Zoom together. Huh. They weren't having a meeting but they were just live on zoom. And so if they had something that came up and they needed to talk to somebody, they, you know, kind of speak out and say, you know, Hey, I need, I, well, I need, let's have a conversation about X, you know, come yep. over, come on, yep. come over and look at your screen. You know, I've got a, I've got something showing on my screen. I want to show you. So they began to use that. Some of those kinds of, those kind of patterns. Um, actually, I would say overwhelmingly, most of the organizations that I work with that are using, uh, are using Zoom, you know, for their meetings and for that, feel like they haven't really lost much. Yeah. Uh, in some ways, it's created greater focus. Yeah. Um, and also that they've, they've discovered that some of their fears about, you know, people not, if they're not, if they don't have to be in the office, they're going to just be at home, you know, uh, watching TV and eating popcorn, you know, is, is not the case. In fact, they're probably experiencing some of the opposite challenges in terms of helping people really manage uh, their workload and not, and be able to walk away, you know, um, yep. Yep. which is harder. Some of us who've been working from home for a long time struggle with that forever, and, <laughs> and we've learned some things that are helpful in terms of having some of those boundaries. But I think that's one of the new new yeah. skills that people are going to have to figure out. All right. So you, as you've been walking with us leaders through this crazy year of uncertainty, starting with those lead pastors out of March when it all hit the fan and you started spending five days trying to figure it out. Um, and, and as we're heading into, into a new year, you don't think it's going away. I hear you saying a few things. Um, 
the listening piece uh, that we have to remember to focus on the person behind the leader, um, that we've got to work on listening, number one. Two, we got to remember the person behind the leader um, and and have awareness of where we're doing, how we're going, which leads into number three of understanding where we're at. Um, are we helping people accept the realities to start where we are as a new starting place? Uh, mm-hmm. And then the fourth thing I heard you say in my notes uh, is that we've got to be mission centric in times of uncertainty because quarterly plans, annual plans could change on a dime, but the why the mission, if we, we've got to keep investing in that and keep that center in our decision-making or else we're just going to be blown all over by the winds of uncertainty. And then fourth and fifth, we've got to focus on communication and put a bigger emphasis on there, which rounds out your earlier one about listening more. Uh, I feel like you slid two in there of a similar thing of going, we're not doing a good job and we can do better. And in times of uncertainty, you've got to focus more on that than in times of where there's not uncertainty because there's greater um, opportunities for miscommunication, division, disunity, confusion, uh, that coincides with with seasons of uncertainty, and so, um, man, those are gold. Greg, yeah. call me every week and remind me of these this year <laughs> as my as my friend. Okay, one of the things, Jay, just I'll say one last thing about <clears throat> about all that. Um, all those kind of sound like hard things, right? Um, and. I think the other thing, too, that I would be remiss to uh, not mention would be to say, I think it's so important in a season like this to give yourself permission and space to reimagine and to re-envision what the future is going to look like. And that enables you to be open to what God's going to do, right? Um, And so I think that posture is really, really important to adopt as well. I love it. God, we trust you with that to... To, with the uncertainty and also if you want to direct something new that we have open hands to follow your lead because we need it more in uncertain times and it looks like it's going to keep going the world's changed and you're in it and we got a good god to trust greg you're awesome man uh what are you working are, are you working on any projects right now that i can be aware yeah, of Yeah, i am thanks for asking so um Doing that, work on a couple of projects. Working on a, uh, we have an ebook that will release after the first year called the Leader Advance Framework, and it's a book helping churches to um, build residency programs. You know, one of the things that is always a limitation for our growth is leaders, right? And so, we're trying to help churches with that. And then the other thing that I'm working on, well, also another ebook that will release after the first year is called Multi Site Reimagined. And so um, earlier, I, in, probably a dozen years ago, I had the privilege of uh, co authoring Multi Site Church Revolution and Multi Site Church Road Trip. And this is kind of the latest um, installment of that, if you would. And it's kind of Multi Site Reimagined. It's really talking about, in some cases, some of the things that were happening pre pandemic huh. that were certainly accelerated. Um, in this last year, and then some of the things are new, right? Yep. There's some new ways of doing church and new ways of thinking about multi-site. And so um, it's been fun to help um, to work on that and to talk with churches about what they're doing and then create a resource that will help others as they kind of rethink and reimagine uh, what that future looks like for their church as well. Well, good job on the timing on that one, Greg. That'll, I, I think that uh, 
I've got friends that I will point to to go, hey, here you go, because it is being reimagined. And so <laughs> I, I, I can't wait to read that one. Um, you're awesome. Greg, this was a ton of fun. Thanks for being a part of the True Face team, sharing your wisdom with us in these times of uncertainty. Uh, you you have guided a lot of us through these, and you have seen patterns and trends that uh, I think is so timely for us to keep top of mind. Uh, if y'all want to check out Greg, go to Greg at the Ligon Group. Uh, you can find him at theligandgroup.com. And check out his books. Greg, thanks for being a part of the tribe. And if you like this podcast, click the little like thing or subscribe to it or share it with your friends. And thanks to everybody listening. And I'm excited about heading with this year and sharing these podcasts with you. So I'll uh, be in your podcast thing in about two weeks. Thanks, everybody. See ya. Bye.